Smarty Pants Lance, Smarty Pants Lance, Smarty Pants Lance! Hello, everybody. Today, let's talk about going to college. Or as some call it, a four-year vacation from reality paid for by your parents and federal student loans. Don't worry, you don't need to pay back those federal student loans. Uh, well, I guess you're supposed to. Ooh, yes, college, why, that reminds me of good old college football. Ronnie, a, a little a little early for you, right? Oh, no, but I, I have to jump in. Uh, when you say college, it reminds me of college football. And you know, I starred in Gnut Rockney all the, uh, is it Gnut or Newt? Rockney. Well, anywho, uh, and I played a famous football player named George Zitt. Uh, oh, Zitt! <laughs> pucky, pucky, pucky. No, that's not it. Let me think. George Leper. Uh, no. George, uh, um, uh, George M. Cohen. No, that's still not it. Um, uh, George Gipp. That's right, that's right, George Gibb. And yes, 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 wasn't that the movie with Pat O'Brien playing Newt Rockney, All-American? And doesn't he give a, a famous, oh yes, a famous speech. Why, uh, he's just repeating what I told him on my deathbed uh, in the film, of course. Ah, uh, yes, the famous speech. Uh, it was something like, And the last thing he said to me, Rock, he said, Sometime, when the team is up against it, and the brakes are beating the boys, Tell them to go out there with all they've got and win just one for the Gipper. But I was not really into college sports. No, sir, not me. I was nose into the books and I was going to be productive. Or, as one of my doormates from China once said, study hard, the young. And this particular college I went to, I wouldn't have gone there for their college football team anyway, who were lovingly called, I'm not kidding you, the Spaztecs. <laughs> <laughs> the team's actual name was the Aztecs, but they had such a losing record, they were called the Spaztecs. The team announcers would get it wrong, too, and they'd be like, Welcome, one and all, the Spaztec for uh, Aztec football. And today we're excited to see them hit the gridiron and just how much of that gridiron is going to hit them right back. Say, have they learned to tie their shoelaces since last time? We'll find out today on Spaz Up Aztec Football. The only real reason to go to the game were the cheerleaders. Unfortunately, due to my lack of self-confidence, I was more like a Spaztec to them. My dorm room was shared by an assigned roommate. This particular roommate had long hair all the way down to his shoulders. Hey man, it was the 70s, you know, like, let it all hang out. And he used to brush it twice a day and count it out loud each stroke until he reached 100 strokes. So <laughs> when I caught him brushing his hair and he'd be like, you know, 37, 38, I would walk in and go, hey, you know, in about uh, 45 minutes, about six or seven of us are going to head over to the uh, cafeteria. What does it take? About 20, 25 minutes to get across? And I'd just come up with sentences that would throw numbers out. And it would throw them off. And he'd go, oh, dang it. And he would start all over again. One, two, three. <laughs> he had a girlfriend. This girlfriend's name was in a little black address book. He had written with a black felt-tip pen her name on every single line, and then with a red felt tip, a heart. Every single line, front to back, top to bottom, with his girlfriend's name in black, the little red heart. He was in love. Now, I can't say how much in love she was with him because of how quickly they broke up based on what happened next. 
And she knocks on the door and I answer it. And these dorm rooms are tiny, tiny, right? I mean, you open the door, you look in, you see the entire room. There is no place to hide. The two twin beds and they're at like an L-shaped angle. So I open the door and there is the girlfriend. I won't, of course, reveal her actual name. Let's call her Julie. You know, she's kind of a Julie, if you know what I mean. People fit their names. Julie looks over my shoulder into this tiny room and says, is, oh, I better come up with an alias name here. He's kind of a, I don't know, let's go with an alliteration. Let's call him John. She looks over my shoulder and says, is John here? And I say, well, I mean, this room is tiny. You can see all of it. Two twin beds, a couple of little desks. Do you see him here? And she goes, oh, no, I guess not. And then she looks down at her shoes. She was wearing some kind of higher heeled sandals. And she says, do, do my shoes look too small for my feet? And I look at her and go, are your shoes too small for your feet? I mean, how do I know? Do they feel too small for your feet? And she says, well, they, I don't know if they feel too small. I just got them, but they kind of, I don't know. I think they look too small for my feet. And then I said, well, I, I, I don't know about that. But did you know that one eye is a little bit higher on your face than the other? And she all of a sudden goes, it is not, it is not, it is not. And she runs over to the shared bathroom and she looks in the mirror and she goes, oh my God, it is, ah. And she runs off. I don't know whether this caused it or not. I like to think it did. They break up. So now John and Julie are broken up and almost within a microsecond, there's a knock at the door and John answers it. And there's these two overly clean looking, overly groomed looking, overly pressed looking, shiny foreheaded Campus Crusaders for Christ. And they say, are things not going the way they should go in your life? And they hand him a pamphlet with the footsteps in the sand and, the, and Jesus knocking on the door. I, of course, go... <laughs> Yeah, whatever. John goes to their meeting and takes to it. Do you know he ended up being the head of the Campus Crusade for Christ? Imagine living for the rest of the year with someone who became a born-again Christian and was the Campus Crusade for Christ chief of staff. And he would sick these people on me all the time, which I like to play with. You know, they're a little bit like a, uh, a record or vinyls, they call it today, where the tone arm would start on a certain band and they'd start saying word for word what they always say. And then if I asked them a question, so there was a flood and everybody drowned except for the animals and Noah and his wife. That's right. And I'd say, what about the fish? And the tone arm would skip and jump back to the beginning of the, the record and it would play over again. Then I took a centerfold from Playboy. I put it on my wall and John kept taking it down and I kept putting up another centerfold. Then he'd take it down. We had this sort of centerfold war. Finally, I put up a centerfold that even though he put up a protest and pretended that it was somehow shameful, left it up because it turned out he had a thing for her. Not only was she the playmate of a month, but she was the playmate of the year. And you can look her up. Her name is Deborah Jo Fondren. I looked her up just to see what she looks like today. I gotta tell you, she's a pretty good-looking old bag of bones. I mean, I would have expected her to... Get on back to the story, my God! We've got complaints that you go on and on, back and forth in stories, and finally get to the meat! 
What if the listener's a vegan? Then they can get to the tofurkey of the story, okay? Many years later, I discovered that he became a minister and still was leading the crusade for Christ, I believe. We played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, or D&D as we call it, the old-fashioned way with the multiple-sided dice. (laughs) It turns out in the college brain, somehow having to go to an 8 a.m. honors physics class isn't as important as finishing your quest that you've stayed up all night on for Dungeons and Dragons. Because after all, I had just gotten gauntlets of ogre power and I was eager to smash something. I was really shy in high school. In college, I said, you know, I better force myself to ask somebody out for a date. Because I was getting a little bit tired of people going, so, uh, you like girls, don't you? Well, yeah, I like girls. You're not one of them, uh, you know, funny guys, are you? No, guy. That's the Mormon way of saying gosh, or could it be dangerously close to the big G word? Hmm? So one night... I saw a poster for a party over in the liberal arts school. Liberal arts is where the attractive ones were. I decided to go to this party, and there she was. It was like some enchanted evening. Suddenly, I knew, across a crowded room, a blonde-haired Valerie Bertinelli, and I couldn't believe it. My heart was a-thumping, and with all of my nervousness, and I went over and I started talking with her, but of course my voice failed me. Hi, um, so it's a good... <clears throat> Hi, pretty nice party. <clears throat> pretty nice uh, par- <clears throat> party. Now, keep in mind, I was majoring in electrical engineering, which they used to call their EECS, E-E-I-S, Electrical Engineering and Information Systems, or as everyone else called us, EEC Geek. Later, they changed it to APIS, <laughs> Applied Physics and Information Science. And I used to say, excuse me, I got to go take a piss class in just a few minutes. Okay, so I ask her out. And mind you, she had a little poster next to her bed of this frog with a stupid, bejeweled, crooked crown on its frog head. And it said, a princess has to kiss a lot of frogs before she finds her prince. And I thought, boy, that is not encouraging me. But to my surprise, shock and horror, she said... Yes. After she said yes, I actually didn't know what to do. So I thought, well, maybe I should just take her for dinner. So I took her to this place called the Whole Earth Restaurant. And to me, it was one of those healthy places to go. But the food tasted like the whole earth was in there. I I love the taste of wet grass. Oh, and we can have a mud pie for dessert. Oh my God, did you feel so holistic? Well... I was so nervous and had such a lump in my throat, and I it blew it and never saw her again. That was my first college date, and I hope she's doing well. Let's not forget about that great academic pursuit of drinking contests. I never did drink in college, but all of my roommates did. They all had bongs, uh, except for Goody Two Shoes John, and they all drank. And one night after an epic, (laughs) freaking epic drinking contest, the only person left standing, let's not use his real name, let's call him Kevin. Everyone named Kevin usually can hold it, you know what I'm saying? They know how to hold it. And he dragged the last person in a fireman's carry back to their bed, turned their head to the side so in case they, uh, they don't, you know, do a Jimi Hendrix. Everybody that was in that contest was feeling a mite poorly the next day. And one of those gosh darn practical jokers, and I'm not going to tell you who might have done this harmless prank. Oh yes, but uh, I think at this point we all have our suspicions, don't we? 
this affable prankster took <laughs> a fellow who uh, was universally not particularly liked in the little cubby in the uh, shared bathroom area. He had his little bottle of Sipacol mouthwash, which hilariously looked kind of like tequila. And since the drinking contest involved tequila, that uh, prankster somebody dumped out all of his Sipacol and poured some tequila in there. And everyone waited around until later when he went in, unscrewed the cap to wash that ugh out of his mouth. And all of a sudden, he got a big swig of tequila again. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't laugh, but all those college pranks, you know, even I thought it was a rousing good one. Good one you did there. Of course, college can't be all football, Dungeons and Dragons, drinking contests, and harmless pranks. Sometimes you actually have to study for finals. Now, when studying for finals comes around, for some reason, everyone, except for me, decided it was time to stop bathing entirely. So the ladies would wear sweats and a rumpled t-shirt, and they'd have their sweaty hair up in a scrunchie, and they'd have to act like, oh, they're just going through so much that they're just studying so hard. The guys, not wanting to be outdone by the gross bodiness of the ladies, also stop bathing and they stop shaving. Although truth be told, I didn't need to shave until I was 27. And because I kept up my daily ablutions. What is that? Some kind of a fancy college word? Yeah, ablution. It means the act of washing oneself. Anyway, because I kept it up and because I was bathed and fresh and wore clean clothes, everyone thought I wasn't studying. But ha <laughs> ha, I was. I refuse and just will not study in filth, okay? The very second finals were over, it was back to D&D &D and drinking contests and sports and thinking about the next epic college party, including toga parties. I don't know how anyone could get through college in those days without attending a toga party. That good old Greco-Roman-themed costume party where people going wear togas, normally made out of your bed sheets, and some kind of sandals, if you have them. This all leads to a learning experience, or should we call it a sociological experiment, which kind of goes like this. Where there's a toga party, there's a kegger. And where there's a kegger, there's excessive drinking. And where there's excessive drinking, there are ladies who are about to make that old college mistake that they're not going to admit to except to their closest girlfriends and their fiancés or husbands will never find out. Or so they pray to the old white man with the long white beard and Jesus sandals on the throne that he'll never find out. I did say he, but <laughs> being this is college and it is a time for experimentation, sometimes the ladies hook up with uh, other ladies. It was merely a youthful college experiment. Or as I like to say and advise, don't ask and don't tell. Until next time, give it the old college try and rock on.